Hello everyone and thank you all for joining us today as we dive into God's word for answers to some of life's great questions. Today's question is without a doubt one of the most asked questions uh, that I've ever heard. As a school teacher I'm around dozens and dozens of kids. Some are just getting into church or just getting convicted and several have asked me the question if God is so good and so loving and God takes care of his people why is this happening? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does he let bad things happen to good people? I'm not going to pretend to have the perfect answer to this question. And I'll admit that I have been left uh, speechless a few times when, when someone has something going on. And they would ask me something to this nature. But I would always answer with the, the familiar verse in Romans 8. That all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. But beyond this verse and maybe the story of Joseph, uh, I really didn't have a whole lot else to offer them. And that was that was me uh, failing them uh, in part, especially uh, in my study and, and my walk with Christ. And so I dove into the Bible looking for a better answer. And I knew in my heart that God wouldn't let evil happen for no apparent reason. Because God is righteous to, beyond all shadow of a doubt. But that everything that went on was under the omnipotent eye of God. And so explaining this to someone, uh, especially someone who has never been to church or been saved or never really read the Bible to a massive extent, uh, this became my goal. And so we're going to start today with an explanation that we never have and never will understand God. His thoughts, his ways, are his plans. So we're going to look in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is not trying to demean or put down anyone. As he uses Isaiah to write this down, he's simply explaining that we are not on his level. He's telling us that he is in control. I've used a few verses further. We read that his word will not return unto him void. His will be done. Okay? But what about the bad stuff? All of this evil, is, is that in his will? Bear in mind that God's allow, God allows humans freedom of choice we can make our own decisions most of which grieve god and yes he does allow bad things to happen and he does allow them to happen to good people but let's look at it from another perspective if we can close your eyes imagine well if you're driving don't close your eyes but you understand where i'm going imagine you're trapped on an island the island is 100 miles wide and you're right smack dab in the middle of it you open your eyes, realize that you're on this island, and you look around, and all you can see all the way around you is forest and trees. Maybe you hear strange sounds. You look up in the sky and see clouds through a thick canopy of tall trees. And that's it. That's all you can see. You have no idea what is beyond the trees right in front of you. You have no idea what is else is on the island or what is surrounding the island. You are literally clueless as to what are your surroundings. Now you hear God. 
He speaks to you. He tells you, go due west toward where the sun is setting. And then you look toward, your, toward, toward the west. And it's the thickest, biggest, hardest looking briar patch you have ever seen in your life. You look north, south, and east, and the forest looks less dangerous, a little bit clearer, maybe simpler to navigate. And it's probably easier to walk through if you went in a different direction from what God said. But God told you to go west. Now, like in movies, the camera is right on top of you. And let the camera zoom out a little bit so you can see, or so the audience can see, rather, the entire island. You, as the character, can still only see what is around you. But whenever we take a bird's eye view, we can see uh, that there is a boat waiting to take you off the island a short distance through the woods to the west. However, we can also see that to the north is a hungry pack of lions, to the south is a river full of crocodiles, and to the east there's a tribe of cannibals wandering through the forest. To the west, where God told you to go, there's a thick briar patch, but it's only for a short distance before it opens up to a walking trail that leads straight to the way out, straight to the way off the island. Do you get the picture? We can see what is around us. We can only see as far as our eyes can, can go, but God sees what is beyond that. We cannot see what is beyond right in front of us, what is beyond today. We cannot see what God has protected us from in the past or how he has blessed us. Otherwise, what we have missed, we can only see what is right here. But praise God, he can see it all. He can see what's on the other side of that trial. He can see what's on the other side of that decision we are about to make. He knows what is going on. He knows what we're going through. And he knows how we're going to come out of it. It's like taking instruction from a GPS. If we will blindly follow Siri wherever she decides to tell us to go, why is it so hard to trust God whenever he points us in a direction that he wants us to go? God has a plan, a purpose, and a will for our lives. If we let him lead and guide us, we don't want to miss it. We want what he wants for us. Okay, His will is good for us. It may be a trial. It may be a burden. It may be a struggle. But on the other side of it, we will come out uh, in the black, if you will. We will not go under as long as we're trusting in God. And so let's look over at 1 Corinthians as some words of encouragement from the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians, uh, we're going to look at verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for things that love him. Excuse me, for them that love him. We are talking about the creator of the universe. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for me. He wants to use me. The creator of the universe who has has had just millions and millions and millions of people that he cares about, that he wants to use each and every one of us individually. We are talking about the God who sent his son to die for us. He wants us to live for him. God can and will do wonderful things, but we have to make, excuse me, we may have to go through the fire first. Let's look at a few examples of men from the Bible 
that had to endure some, no doubt, difficult tasks, but came out on the other side victorious. Read of a time in Daniel, in chapter 3, when a king made a huge image of gold. And he said that when the music was played, that everyone should bow down and worship this big statue. Now, we know that the encounter with the king and Nebuchadnezzar, that, that he was uh, upset whenever the three Hebrew children, the three acquaintances of Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did not bow. They didn't know what was on the other side of the furnace. All they could see was the fire. They didn't know what would happen to them if, if they got thrown into it. All that they knew was they would not compromise their belief, their faith, their trust in God because of a threat from this king. They had no idea whether they would live or die. Nevertheless, in verse 16, we read where they answered the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered unto the king and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. It didn't faze them one bit that they were in front of this king, who was, at this point in time, the king of Babylon, one of the most powerful men on the face of the planet. They weren't going to compromise their God to sit down, just to bow down and worship an image of gold. It just wasn't going to happen. They didn't know what was on the other side of the fire, but look a little closer at what they said. The last statement, they said that he, meaning God, will, meaning definitely, no doubt, gonna happen, deliver, to take care, to shelter us out of thine hand. He will deliver us out of thine hand. I don't believe they doubted at all that God would deliver them. Whether it was through the flame that they faced death and ended up in heaven. Or whether God would deliver them out of the flame. They knew that they were winners either way. So they threw them into the fire. And they were met in the flame by Jesus. Nebuchadnezzar said there is a fourth man down there in that furnace. And he looks like the son of God. Whenever they brought him out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Being burned alive has got to be a terrible way to go. Even a coffee burn on your tongue makes you squeal. But the faith that these men had was so strong, no doubt they did not fight or flinch when they'd thrown into this fiery furnace. They didn't know what God had planned for them, but they trusted God to take care of them through the fire. Shortly after this encounter, in the same book, we, in, we see David, who was told that he could not pray to God anymore. There was a decree made. It was a trick. We, we all know the story. There was a decree made that no one should pray uh, except it be to the, to, the, to the King Darius. And so David had to make a choice whether he was going to keep praying to his God uh, every, every day like he did in public where people could see him on his balcony facing Jerusalem or he could, uh, could stop and not risk being thrown into this den of lions. David had no idea how this fit into God's plan. David had no idea why this happened or, or what God was trying to do with this. He didn't know what the outcome would be. But he did not give up. He did not stop praying. And the Bible said he went straight back to his window and prayed like normal. And then he was thrown into the den of lions. 
Both of these instances show us children of God in captivity in a foreign country refusing to be shaken on their beliefs and faith in the one true and holy God. They would not be moved. We often read about the trials of three Hebrews and Daniel and we neglect, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Let's check out Daniel and King Darius first. What happened after the lion's den? As soon as Darius got Daniel out of the den of lions, we read his response in Daniel chapter 6, verse 26. The king said, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. And then there's a colon right there, which means I'm about to explain this statement. Okay, that every that every man tremble and fear before the God of Daniel because for he, far because he is the living God steadfast forever in his kingdom that shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. So the results of Daniel's faith was a decree from the king that his entire realm, his whole kingdom must declare and worship the true and living God. No doubt this changed the dynamic of this pagan society. The faith and trust in God by one man changed this entire kingdom. It changed everything. It exposed God to everyone. And what do you know? The same thing happened when Nebuchadnezzar brought the three Hebrews out of the fire. In chapter 3 and verse 29, we see his decree where if anyone so much as speaks against the true and living God, he will be cut into pieces and his house made a dunghill. We see these two drastic changes in two mighty kingdoms because the people of God stood up for him. Their faith did not waver. They didn't ask or question God about these things. They didn't flinch when they were happening. They didn't fuss and fight and, and pray, God, why are you doing this? They simply trusted him. They trusted him that he would take care of them and that they would come out on the other side. Let's look at a few more scriptures. Continue to help us out with this question. We're going to turn to Ephesians in chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And we're going to catch the first half of this verse. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. I heard a preacher say a while back, he said that the, the worst judgment that we could get just about from God is that God would give us what we want. Now, if we look back on our life, we can see that some of the things that we wanted probably wouldn't have been real good for us. And some of the, the decisions that we wish we could have made or things that we could have done and, and things that God kept us from really wouldn't have been good for us in the long run anyway. We read here that, that not only will he take care of us, but he is going to do for us above and beyond that we could even ask or think. God knows what we need better than we do. We don't go through trials for his amusement. He doesn't put us through these things just for the heck of it. Let's go back to the verse in Romans and break it down if we can. The first chunk says, and we know. This doesn't say that we think our God might can do this. Paul says that we know without a doubt we can take it to the bank. We know not just some things, not just weekends, not just on Sundays or around the church. We know 
all things, all the time. We know 100%, take it to the bank, that all things, all the time, work together. It doesn't say all things are good. Man, people misconstrue that. All things won't be good. If you live for God, the Bible says that you will suffer persecution. All things will never be good. If you don't face adversity, the devil probably has you right where he wants you. Things won't always be good, but things will still work together for good. All things work together for good for them that love God. If we don't love God, we are not eligible for this promise. Plain and simple. Not only that, he goes on to say, to them who are called according to his purpose. So now you have to love God and be called toward, uh, be called for his purpose to make a claim on this promise. When we are saved, we are called to be a servant, a child of God. We are called to grow and to learn and study in the scripture and to grow when I work, walk with God. Lastly, we don't know how God is going to get his point across. We don't know how, what, or who God is going to use for his work or to get someone else's attention. I'll never forget when my grandpa was going through his chemo treatments. I asked him one day sitting on the front porch if he thought God had a purpose for putting him through all this pain and suffering. He didn't hesitate. He jumped right on telling me uh, of all the people that he had had the opportunity to witness to. The doctors and nurses, the patients that he was sitting next to in these hospitals that he was able to talk to about Jesus. He was grateful for the opportunity. He didn't fuss and complain. He never gave the pain a second thought because out of this, this pain and suffering and the trials God was putting him through, he saw an opportunity to witness. He had no idea at that point if any had really heard the message, but it didn't matter. He wasn't shooting for big results and neither should we. That's up to God. He was thinking that there was a possibility that he could reach just one more person. Like the song goes, if just one more soul were to walk down the aisle, it will be worth every trouble. It will be worth every mile. A lifetime of labor is still worth it all if it rescues just one more soul. When I first started the podcast, people would ask me, hey, how many views do you have? There's a lot of people listening to it, watching it. Oh, well, well, how are you, you going to do it? Are you going to advertise? And I'm like, that's, 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 it's about getting the word out. And it don't matter what kind of trouble it is or, or if it's time-consuming or whoop-de-doo. It's about that one more soul. That's all it's about. We can't see the whole picture. We don't know what's coming down the road. We can't see the ripple effects that our actions or that our words or that our times of trouble can have. A favorite quote of mine is, God sees tomorrow clearer than we see yesterday. They say hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, I have no idea what God's vision of tomorrow is, but I'm relatively certain it's clearer than, than our vision of yesterday. And if we love God and try to keep ourselves in the center of his will, he has promised us that all of these things will work together. It may be years down the road that they work together. Joseph suffered for years after his brothers sold him into slavery as a teenager. And he went through slavery and people lying on him. And, uh, then he went to jail and prison 
but he never gave up on God. He didn't know what the result was going to be. This was years. It wasn't just a short period of time. Years down the road, Joseph reaped it. Abraham traveled looking for a city. On this earth, he never reached it. Never made it. But in eternity, he's found it. It may be in eternity before we can actually see the results of some of the things that have worked together for good of someone, some way that, that our actions or that our words have touched. Be very careful when you ask for something whenever you're talking to God and praying. Sometimes the worst thing for God to do is give us what we ask for. If we ask for patience, God don't say, poof, there you are, you're patient. Or does he give us an opportunity to be patient? If we ask for strength, if we ask for understanding, does he just snap his fingers there? It's, it's, it's here, it's just right there downloaded into our brain. Or does he give us an opportunity to get there? If we ask God to use us in his work, he will provide us that opportunity. My prayer is that we can all recognize that when we go through these trials and troubles, that we have a rock we can cling to. We have a rock we can rest on. Jesus said, take my yoke. God will never give us more than we can bear. And if we love God and we keep ourselves in the center of his will, these things will work together for good. So not only will, will we serve him here, the Bible says that we will be rewarded in heaven. So the question is, why does God allow this to happen? Why me, Lord? The real answer is God is using you. You don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But if he's allowing you to go through something, you're coming out on the other side. And the Bible says you'd be like gold tried in the fire. Come out pure. When gold is tried, the infirmities are burned up. So when it comes out the other side of the fire, it's in way better shape than when it went in. Same way whenever we go through trials for God, when God puts us through the fire, when he tests us, if we make it, if we keep going, keep on keeping on like the people say, we will come out on the other side in better shape than we came in on. If you would, bow with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing us with the health and the strength. Safe here again today, Lord. Thank you for the country that we live in that we can go to church, that we can worship you, that we have access to our Bible. Lord, I thank you for the great opportunities you've given each and every one of us to be a disciple of yours, Lord, that we can spread the word. Not only that, Lord, that we could have some small part to play in the furtherance of your kingdom. Lord, I pray if there'd be a lost one here struggling with salvation, Lord, that could they, today could be the day that they could turn and accept you. As their Savior, believe on your Son, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Lord, that they could be saved before it's everlasting too late. Lord, I pray that you'd help us so we could have a greater burden for those. We could have a greater burden for the lost, Lord. Not only that, I pray that you'd help us so we could be that light that you would have us to be in the community, that we wouldn't be, uh, that we wouldn't cover our light up, that we wouldn't be hid under a bushel, Lord, that we could, that we could shine for you, not for our honor and glory, God, but for yours. Pray that you be with the sick and suffering, all those in need of our prayers. Lord, thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Don't forget to follow the podcast if you're listening on Spotify. When we get try to get at least one episode up per week, sometimes two. If you have questions or would like to submit 
a question for a future episode, please message me on social media or email me at bradcooper2016 at gmail.com. In addition to that, if there's anyone that is unable to access uh, this podcast through Spotify or whatnot, we do have the ability to send it out via text message. If you'll please send them uh, me uh, their name and phone number, I will be sure to send it to them. If there's anything that I can do or any way I can help you in any uh, facet of this, uh, if you need to talk, please get in touch with me. Thank you all, and God bless.